Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 72 of The Sco Show. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be with you back in the big chair for today, Monday, February 3rd, 2020. Just a reminder, The Sco Show is probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and is brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. And now, Super Bowl 54 is obviously in the books, and I don't care. Look, this is a Patriots show, and so our focus is Super Bowl 55 and getting the New England Patriots back to where we believe they belong. And so today's show, episode 72, is our first mock draft Monday because obviously the draft will be a big part of trying to get back to the promised land. And so as we do on mock draft Mondays, I'm going to have a mock draft of my own, and then we follow it up with some mock drafts of yours. I'll give some thoughts, some comments. Now remember, mock drafts aren't meant to be predictive really at this point we've got free agency and stuff to shake out it's more an idea of what players we think might be available and different approaches the patriots can take and yes these will change as we go through free agency but before we do that your usual reminders please do follow along with the hijinks on twitter at mark schoolfield check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio and yes not one not two but three count them three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. Also, remember, I'm putting out the Clarion Call again for some reviews of the show, good or bad, because I'm going to start reading off some. Hopefully, they're good reviews, but I read them all. I take them all to heart. Like, for example, this review on iTunes titled Missing Pat's Pulpit. I really enjoyed Pat's Pulpit last year. This year, they seem to have gone missing. They were doing two shows a week, but okay. This year, the podcast is all about Sko, who is, in turn, all about how cool and smart Sko is. Boring. I miss Pat's Pulpit. I miss it, too. It's a great show. And I guess this show's all about me and how cool and smart is I am. Which is awkward, because I'm neither, but okay. But we get good reviews, too. Such as a review titled, Trubisky is Bad. Mark Schofield is QB1 of my heart. I like that one. And then this one, Great Patriots Insight, great podcast. All three of them provide insight and information surrounding the team. Certainly helps me get through my work day. We love hearing the good reviews. I like reading the bad reviews as well because it helps me get a little bit better. Maybe I'll try to be less cool and less smart. I don't know, though. I think I can do it. But also, of course, as I fear we will be doing throughout the spring... We must begin with Brady Watch 2020. Yes, that is the official SCO show Brady Watch and breaking news bulletin music. And of course, we have some, I don't really think you can call it breaking news. And no, I'm not going to talk about a black and white photo right now. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. But Mike Giardi from the NFL Network and Ian Rappaport, also from the NFL Network, have some thoughts on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, on the Brady situation. First, it was Rap Sheet, his Super Bowl 54 NFL game day notebook with Mike Garofalo. The Patriots are willing to pay Tom Brady in excess of $30 million if that's what's required to keep him. The Chargers are among the teams expected to make a push. New England's fallback options include trading for a quarterback. Josh Rosen. 
And then Mike Giardi quote tweets that saying, from a football standpoint, the Patriots have always made the most sense. Now, if Brady is all about building and growing the brand, then LA would be alluring for sure. And so that's perhaps the Brady watch update right now. Patriots willing to pay some money. Can they pay him that kind of money? And also some of the other reporting from Mike Giardi, just talk to someone I trust. He doesn't believe that Brady is demanding $30 million or more a year. The addition of weapons is a priority, however. Darren Olofsky responded to that exactly, and I think the big question is, how? How do they do that between now and five weeks from now? Giardi responds, a conundrum for sure. Gotta wonder if they talk out their free agency, wheel and deal plan with him, but he'd have to have some blind faith that they can achieve it. Well, what's one way they can achieve it? Being smart in the draft. And that's where we're going to go right now with my first Mock Draft Monday. This is going to be done on the Draft Network's Mock Draft Machine. I'm going to do a seven-round draft here using their predictive board. And the first pick at 23 overall, we have some options. Jordan Love, for example, is on the board. But the... Assumption here is that we've convinced Tom Brady that we can get him some weapons, and we do that right out of the gate. How? LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver from Colorado. Why? Well, I love this kid. I absolutely love this kid. And I think he's that sort of dynamic weapon on offense that they can add and use in a variety of roles. You look at how Colorado used him. They used him as a wide receiver. They used him as a running back. They used him as a flanker. They used him all over the place. The clip of him running over a linebacker on a fourth and one jet sweep just warms the heart. And so you add him, you can use him in a variety of ways. I know people are going to say, oh, he's just another slot receiver in the Patriots. They've got all slot receivers. I don't care. He's that talented. And if you bring back Tom Brady and apparently you need to convince him that, yeah, we've got to get you some help. LaVisca Chenault is not a bad addition. So that's where we go right out of the gate. We address wide receiver with LaVisca Chenault. Now we come up with our pick in the third round. This is the pick at 87 overall. And there are a number of different ways we can go here. If we want to address wide receiver, we still have Denzel Mims, KJ Hill, Van Jefferson. These are all on the board, again, using TDN's predictive board. But I'm not so sure after going Chenault with the first pick. That pick in the first round, we can double down at wide receiver here. We can address tight ends. Now, the interesting thing with how these simulations sometimes work, you can see who's potentially still available. And there are some interesting tight ends still available. And given how they're ranked, I feel pretty good about getting guys like an Adam Trotman or a Harrison Bryant a little bit later in this draft. Steven Sullivan is probably a late-round target, at least how this board works. Things will crystallize over the next couple of weeks. But we're going to wait on tight end here. But we're still going to address offense. We're going to focus on the offensive line. I've been talking about this kid a ton. I'm going to take a flyer on him. It's not really a flyer. I think he was one of the best guys down in Mobile. And that's Ben Barch, the offensive tackle, offensive lineman from Division Three St. John's. I thought he was one of the best tackles down there, but he showed the ability to play inside, showed the ability to play left tackle, right tackle, kick inside a little bit. And so I think... Looking at the Patriots' offensive line, we don't know how the Joe Tooney situation is going to shake out. It's potentially a situation where you can see Tooney leaving town, Isaiah Wynn kicking inside to take his spot. A lot of people thought Wynn was going to be a guard anyway. 
and the Patriots then drafting Ben Barch to perhaps slide into that spot. Yanni Kajuice, Hilde Froholt still in the mix. We don't know how those players are going to shake out. So there's some potential there for Ben Barch to slide in. So I, I do like that selection. I'm a big fan of that player. Now we get into the fourth round here. And there are a number of different ways we can go here at 115. You know, there are some edge defenders still on the board. Alex Highsmith, Anthony Jennings, Kenny, Kenny Willikus, Alton Robinson. There are some edge players here. We could address edge. You look at the safety position. There are some guys still on the board that I'm a little worried aren't going to be here the next time we pick. Jeremy Chin, for example. That's a name that I've liked, that I've talked about. Antoine Brooks Jr. from Maryland, another player that I'm interested in. But I can't draft without addressing tight end. And this might be a reach, but I'm worried he won't be here when I get back. And I fell in love with this kid down in Mobile, Adam Trotman from Dayton. We're going to make him the pick here at this spot at 115. And now we wait till the sixth round. And people might think, look, we've gone... Offense, offense, offense. Chanel, Barch, Trotman. But again, if the goal here is to get weapons around Tom Brady, if that is truly the thing that he was worried about, we've got to do that. And I think we've started off by doing it, and now we can nibble around the edges of some other positions. I still hope we can sort of circle back, maybe that pick at 208 or 213, those two in the seventh round, and get our hands on Steven Sullivan. But now we're going to try to address the defensive side of the ball a bit. We've got this pick coming up here at 176th in the sixth round. Hopefully this player is still there. He might not be. And that is Antoine Sullivan. And no, he just came off the board. And so we're going to have to perhaps go in a different direction here. At this pick here. And some other positions we can address for the New England Patriots. We can go... Interior defensive line, we could go corner, we could go linebacker. Looking at the board overall right now, some very interesting players are out there. If we want to address safety, for example, Reggie Floyd from Virginia Tech. If you want to address interior defensive line, Tyler Clark from Georgia is out there. Another player on the interior defensive line that might make some sense for New England, Darrell Williams from Mississippi State, Tommy Kramer from Notre Dame. But I'm going to take a bit of a risk here. You know, Carter Coughlin's an interesting name. I think he's, I mentioned him recently on a show. J.J. Wanham from South Carolina, another interesting name. I'm going to roll the dice a bit. Now, a six-round pick's kind of a lottery pick to begin with, but when you have a player this talented, while he has question marks off the field, some red flag stuff, some suspensions and things like that, it's hard to deny the talent, so I'm willing to take the flyer here. Michael Divinity, the edge from LSU. If he's here at this pick in the sixth round, I'm fine with taking a six-round pick on him. It's a bit of a flyer for sure, but it's a bit of edge help. And so I'm a fan of that. Now we're back on the clock at 184. And this is one of our this is our second sixth round pick. We still have three picks left. And I'm going to. We haven't addressed interior defense defensive line. We haven't done anything on defense other than edge. You know, a lot of this might change if the Patriots end up walking away from, say, Kyle Van Noy and or Jamie Collins. But assuming they find a way to get them back in the fold, I'm going to take an opportunity here and take advantage of some value. This is a guy that had a very good week down in Mobile. 
And again, it's a double dip at a position here. But I think this kid can really contribute. You know, maybe needs to refine the game a bit. But this is a guy that's going to win. This is a guy that can get some separation when he needs to. You show the ability to work in the vertical game to make some great catches along the boundaries. Juwan Jennings from Tennessee, the wide receiver. We're going to take him here with this selection. And so that's our pick at 184. Recapping things as we wait for our picks in the seventh round to come up on the board. We went LaVisca Chenault, the wide receiver from Colorado. Ben Barch, offensive tackle from St. John's. Adam Trotman, the tight end from Dayton. Michael Divinity, the edge defender from LSU. Juwan Jennings, wide receiver from Tennessee. Now we got two more picks, one at 207. And then we've got another at 212. And so I want to get somebody on the defensive side of the ball here while we get a chance. Because I think you want to know, you kind of have an idea of where I'm going with that next pick. Now we've addressed edge, but I want to go look at the safety spot. It thins out a bit as we get into this point. But there's a player that I did sort of like what he did down at Michigan has a potential to be one of those hybrid safety linebacker types, potential replacement for Patrick Chun, a box safety with experience at linebacker, nickel corner, and edge. You know, he can be an end man on the line of scrimmage. Um, he can be physical in man coverage, even though he can sometimes struggle when he gets a little bit too aggressive, can be grabby at times. But I think this is a guy that could be that hybrid type defender. And if we're anticipating a world where we're moving towards positionless football. This is a very intriguing name. Kalike Hudson from Michigan. We're going to draft the safety there, the versatile type defensive player. And then with our final pick at 212, a player that I can't really, unfortunately, draft because he was just selected. So we go in a different direction. I was aiming for Steven Sullivan, the LSU tight end. But with him not on the board... We're going to try to look for some value here. A lot of tight ends still on the board, though. Uh, the kid from Portland State, Charlie Temoopeo, he had a pretty good week down in Mobile. Um, in terms of value, there are some interesting players at a bunch of different positions. But let's do this. Let's spice things up. James Morgan, the quarterback from Florida International. A lot of people were excited about what he did about Shrine game. He's got a big arm, some, got some potential to him. I think... At this point in the draft, if we brought Tom Brady back, you're trusting in Jared Stidham, you haven't addressed quarterback with a trade, might be nice for some competition. And so, there you go there. Now we got one more pick. Oh, that's exciting. We got a pick at 218. TDN has us with three third round, seventh round picks, excuse me. So let's see what else we can find. And why not? Since people were excited about him, James Prochet, the slot receiver from SMU, we drafted another slot receiver. Hey, that's not a bad haul. People might be upset about what we did on the defensive side, but look, I like this haul. LaVisca Chenault, Ben Barch, Adam Trotman, Michael Divinity, Juwan Jennings, Kaliki Hudson, James Morgan, and James Prochet. We addressed some needs, not all. Didn't double dip at tight end. So it makes you wonder about maybe that Jennings pick at 184. Maybe if they double dip a tight end and they go like a Trotman type, if he's there at 115, 184 might be that other spot to do it. Because it does seem like the tight end group sort of thinned out my idea of sort of waiting for Steven Sullivan, one of those seventh rounder picks. That didn't quite pan out. But there's the mock draft. Up next, your mock drafts. Some of the drafts you submitted over the past couple of days. That's ahead on episode 72, this mock draft Monday installment of The Sco Show.
Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 72 of the Sco Show. This is our first Mock Draft Monday episode, Mock Draft Monday 1.0. And just a reminder, you could submit whatever you want. I know I got a lot of non-Patriots fans that listen to the show, which pleases me greatly. If you want to submit just a, a first-round full mock draft, I'm happy to talk about it. If you want to submit a draft for your team, say you're a Browns fan, maybe I'll look at it. Maybe I'll read it. I mean, of course I'll look at it, but I'll probably read it on the air too and give some people some shout-outs along the way. And so submit whatever you want. Always happy to get you know listeners involved in the show. And so let's dive in. Dennis Sigorski at D-E-N-K-O-B-O-L-D-M-A-K-I. He submitted a, he's an Eagles fan, submitted a first-round mock. Kind of sort of falls in line with a lot of what I expect. Burrow at one, Chase Young at two, Derek Brown. The interior defensive line from Auburn at three to the Lions. Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle from Bama to Giants at four. Tua comes off the board to Miami at five. Justin Herbert at six to the Chargers. Isaiah Simmons, oh, love that name, to the Carolina Panthers at seven. CeeDee Lamb at eight to the Arizona Cardinals. Jeffrey Okuda, the cornerback from the Ohio State University to the Jacksonville Jaguars at nine. Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia to Cleveland at 10. Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver from Bama. He goes to the Jets at 11. Jordan Love. So four QBs in the top 15. That's kind of where I'm coming down. I think we do see that. He goes to the Las Vegas Raiders at 12. Jerry Judy to the Colts at 13. Javon Kinlaw at 14 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Becton, the offensive tackle from Louisville. He goes to Denver at 15. AJ Epinesa, the edge defender from Iowa. He goes to the Atlanta at 16. Grant Delpit, the safety to Dallas at 17. Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle from Iowa to Miami at 18. Christian Fulton, the corner from LSU, 19 to the Raiders. Another LSU player, Cushenberry at 20 to the Jags. 21, C.J. Henderson, the corner from Florida to the Eagles. Chase on the edge defender from LSU to the Bills at 22. Xavier McKinney, the Alabama safety. He comes off the board to the Patriots at 23. And this is an interesting selection for New England. Obviously, we know they might sort of address the safety position at some point in the draft. And McKinney is a very interesting player because obviously he's got the Alabama background and that's going to get him in a situation where he's probably going to step in and be very familiar with the playbook, right? Saban, Belichick, they do some sort of interesting stuff. And if we talk about versatility, I've been stressing that Belichick loves that. Well, Let's check this out. Kyle Krabs over the Draft Network. Very diverse athlete who is implemented in a variety of ways. He's got some Maker Fitzpatrick in his game. Can be, can be implemented in man-to-man coverage as a deep safety, a blitzer off the edge, or as a sub-package linebacker with effectiveness thanks to his length, tackle and prowess, and overall athletic ability. Very heady in coverage, particularly in the middle of the field. Shows great anticipation to field route combinations. Has the functional strength and athletic ability to clamp tight ends in man-to-man. Does that sound like somebody the Patriots might need? Now, what might bug some people, the next pick, LaVisca Chenault, the 24 to New Orleans. Yeah. Trayvon Diggs from Bama, 25 to Minnesota. Yudar Grossmatos, the edge defender from Penn State, 26 to Miami. Jeff Gladney, the corner from TCU at 27 to Seattle. Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU at 28 to the to the Baltimore Ravens. Again, another quarterback. Jacob Eason from Washington at 29 to Tennessee. T. Higgins, the wide receiver from Clemson at 30 to the Packers. Damon Arnett, the corner from Ohio State at 31 to the Chiefs. And Matt Hennessy from Temple, the interior offensive lineman at 32 to the San Francisco 49ers. 
Chase Cameron, who was at Chase Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N underscore, he did another sort of full mock draft. Burrow at one, you're at two, Simmons at three, which is interesting to the Giants. You have Tua at five, Justin Herbert at six, Jordan Love at seven. That's very interesting. I'll spin it down here. Who does he give the Patriots? LaVisca Chenault comes off the board at 22 to the Bills. So the Patriots, they draft Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU. This was also somebody that was linked to the Patriots by another man, member of the draft network. Carter Dominic, he had his third mock draft of the year, which went up on January 31st. And he also linked the Patriots with the LSU safety. Simply too good of a value to pass up at this point. Delpit could potentially be the steal of the draft. His tackling was an issue in 2019, but the LSU defender is an elite blitzer that can line up virtually anywhere. So that's an interesting name being linked to the New England Patriots. Coach Lammers, at Andrew Lammers, on the Twitter machine. He does another full first-round mock draft. He has a number of quarterbacks coming off the board in the top 15. Burrow at 1, Tua to the Dolphins at 5, Herbert at 6 to the Chargers, Love at 13 to the Colts, Eason at 14. I've been hearing that pairing as well to Tampa Bay at 14. But then when we get to the New England Patriots, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver. He comes off the board at 23 to the New England Patriots. Also a very interesting scenario. You see LaVisca Chenault at 30 in that draft. I don't know. I'm. I don't want to die on hills now, but I really do sort of like Chenault. Let's close this out now with a couple of more mocks. And first, I actually thought this approach was kind of funny, so I figured it was worth mentioning. It comes from the one and only Dan Gorlev. He's at D A N G O R E L O V. Dan Gorlev. I probably pronounced that wrong, but Pat's first round mock trade back for two seconds. End of mock. I thought that was a pretty good approach. We also got this from Christian Campbell, who was at at Scout the Player on the old Twitter machine. And he has four quarterbacks in his first round mock. Joe Burrow at one, Tua Tungo-Vailoa at five, Jordan Love, rather than Justin Herbert, at six to the Chargers, and then Justin Herbert at seven to the Carolina Panthers. And then getting down to the Patriots in this mock, he has New England going with Terrell Lewis, the edge at pick 23. Again, LaVisca Chenault comes off the board at 24 to the New Orleans Saints. And so, given my love for Chenault so far, uh, always struggle to see that. But Lewis, the edge, does make sense, particularly if the Patriots go in a couple of different directions in free agency. And we close it out with perhaps one you were all waiting for. John Limarakis at John A. Limarakis on Twitter. He dropped this in the Scotia Slack channel, which again, if you'd like to join, hit me up for an invite at Mark Schofield on Twitter, mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. And now he put some context to it. He went with big offensive linemen. He wanted to restock the front seven. And so he went with two guys that can get after the quarterback. He likes one receiver's floor, especially doing some basic X stuff. Also likes another receiver. So he goes with two receivers. And so here's his mock for New England, a full seven-round mock. Julian Okanwara, the edge from Notre Dame. Justin Matabuke, the interior defensive lineman from Texas A&M. At 87, Isaiah Wilson, the offensive tackle for Georgia. At 126, Devin DuVernay, the wide receiver from Texas. And then dipping again to wide receiver, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. At 207, then 212, Stephen Sullivan. So John's able to get Sullivan in the seventh round where I was unable to do that. And then you share Durant, the interior offensive lineman 
from Missouri. That's John's mock. Again, you can follow John on, on Twitter, John A. Limarakis. But there you go. That is Mock Draft Monday 1.0 in the books. Up next this week, who knows? A podcast, we know that. Until then, friends, please keep on blessing that Patriots reign. Doubted Foxborough.